So like, do you believe in astrology? Oh my gosh, it's the one and only Emotional Labor Queen. Hello darlings, it is I, the one and only Emotional Labor Queen, broadcasting from my home in Berlin, Germany. Leo season has started, but this is the Cancer season episode. Worry not, my dear Leos, you will have an episode dedicated to y'all as well. This Cancer season for me felt like one big good long old cry. I felt my Cancer moon being hyper-present in my personality. I felt the buzzing energy of everyone around me extra, extra loud and overwhelming. Also, it's been hot. It's been so, so hot. Too hot for a city without an ocean. and Too hot for a city that's not built to last that kind of heat. I literally saw a woman pass out on the train because she was too friggin' warm. And sister, did I feel that? Must they wanna bite? Hey, any, it ain't right. Yeah, I need 
In this episode, I will talk about the death of a loved one, about how to deal with grief, sorrow, guilt, and many of the other feelings one might experience in a situation like this. I also want to clarify that I am not a doctor, nor am I a psychologist, and in this episode I'm sharing my own personal thoughts and beliefs. If these are topics that you do not want to engage in, kindly turn off this episode and I will see you next week for the Leo season episode. In periferia fa molto caldo, mamma stai tranquilla sto arrivando, te la prenderai per un bugiardo, ti sembrava amore ma era altro. Beve champagne sotto Ramadan, alla tv danno Jackie Chan, fuma narghile, mi chiede come va, mi chiede come va, come va, come va, sai già come va, come va, come va, penso più veloce per capire se domani tu mi fregherai. Non ho tempo per chiarire perché solo ora so cosa sei È difficile stare al mondo quando perdi l'orgoglio Lasci casa in un giorno, tu dimmi se Pensavi solo ai soldi, soldi Come se avessi avuto soldi, soldi Dimmi se ti manco te ne fotti, fotti Ciò che devi dire non l'hai detto, tradire una pallottola nel petto, prendi tutta la tua carità, venti a casa ma lo sai che lo sa, su una sedia lei mi chiederà, mi chiede come va, come va, come va, sai già come va, come va, come va, penso più veloce per capire se domani tu mi fregherai. Non ho tempo per chiarire perché solo ora so cosa sei È difficile stare al mondo quando perdi l'orgoglio Ho capito in un secondo che tu da me Volevi solo soldi, soldi Come se avessi avuto soldi, soldi Prima mi parlavi fino a tardi, tardi Come va, come va, come va, adesso come va, come va, come va Vuole di, vuole di, Habibi d'Alena Mi dicevi giocando, giocando con aria fiera Vuole di, vuole di, Habibi sembrava vera Io da te non ho voluto soldi È difficile stare al mondo quando perdi l'orgoglio Lasci casa in un giorno, tu dimmi se Volevi solo soldi, soldi Come se avessi avuto soldi, soldi Lasci la città ma nessuno lo sa Ieri eri qua, ora dove sei papà? Chiedi come va, come va, come va, sai già come va, come va, come va. Dear Emotional Labor Queen, thank you for an amazing and important podcast, for all your hard work, and for always putting a smile on my face when I am feeling down. Heart emoji. 
About five years ago, a close friend of mine passed away due to suicide. It was something she'd been battling for years, and it was the one thing that I was so scared of happening. And it did happen. Even trying to describe what that felt like is overwhelming. But afterwards, I entered a deep and painful crisis with many ups and downs. At first, I was devastated. But shortly after that, I was angry. How could she? How could she just leave me? How could she do it to herself? And why couldn't I stop her? I've done a lot of work with myself since her death, but still to this day, I find myself in moments when it all comes back to me. One part of me feels like it's been so many years since it all happened, but sometimes it feels like it was yesterday. Another thing I'm having issues with is my strong feeling of anger, sometimes even too strong for my own taste. I don't understand why these feelings keep coming back, and why anger? I know you've experienced death of someone that you loved, so I was wondering if you could imagine sharing your thoughts and feelings about that. I know it's a heavy and intense topic, so also fine if it's too much. Thanks again for your work. XOXO Anonymous Dearest Anonymous Darling, Thank you for writing me and for trusting me with your matters of the heart. Death is truly an absurd phenomenon, and I think maybe, in my experience, a very lonely process. Because even if you have support from your friends and family, ultimately you have to take on that internal journey, and that is absolutely overwhelming and time-consuming work. First of all, I'm very sorry for your loss and that your friend couldn't stay here on earth with you. I don't blame you for feeling angry and disappointed. Those are very real feelings and you have the right to those feelings. Processing grief is going to be different for different people because we are different as humans. However, I think it's important to remember, especially when it comes to suicide and depression, is that when someone takes their life, it is because they feel it is the only possible solution that is left for them. The only thing that will make them free from whatever demons they're dealing with and the severe crisis they are in. And you know what? There's probably more nuanced and complicated scenarios that I don't know about as everyone's different. But if you can imagine being so heartbroken, being so devastatingly tired of being tired, of being depressed, and most prominently, having lost hope. When you see suicide as an option for yourself, you've lost hope. You've lost hope for a future, and you've lost hope that you will ever feel better. And that, that is possibly the hardest part, at least it was for me, about a situation like this, because we can give someone all the support that we have. We can tell someone that we love them a thousand times, but we cannot put feelings in someone else's body. They have to feel those feelings in their own body. They have to have hope about their own survival, and they have to carry their own willingness to live. And when the person crosses that line where suicide is an option, we have lost them. And with that, I want to know that many, many people go, as you know, back and forth between that line. And some make it back, back to hope, 
back to life, back to a future, and some never make it back. And in the end, that's the part of the grief where we have to reach acceptance. Reaching acceptance does not mean that we consent or agree with what has happened, but it is a vital part in our own inner healing. Because when we have reached acceptance about something that is absolutely terrible, we are no longer held captive by that trauma, and we allow ourselves to feel peace and calm and to move on and move forward with our life. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't react if someone were to confide in us that they are thinking about ending their life. It means that when the damage has already happened and we are faced with a mixture of emotions, fear, sadness, confusion, or the total opposite, we go into total survival mode where we push back and repress everything we feel deep, deep inside of ourselves as a way to protect our heart and our mind from the ocean of turbulence that is about to come. I find that an important part of healing is to take one step away from our own anger, meaning the feelings that make us say, how could she, how could you just leave me? And really, really try to imagine what it was like for the other person in that situation. It's easier to be angry than to be sad. Anger is an outward feeling. I'm not saying that your anger is wrong. You have the right to be angry. What I'm saying is sadness is something that takes place inside of us. And if we can let go of the anger, if we can have empathy for someone, even if we disagree with their actions, that is the glowy jewel that will help us find peace when we are dealing with someone's death. Thank you.
behavior is built off of survival, off of hope. We plan for the future all the time. We plan trips to take in the future. We buy clothes to wear in the future. We plan ahead. Sometimes we plan ahead years at a time. We sign contracts that reach way deep into the future, etc., etc. The very act of being alive is very much dependent on that we all have a future. So when we are faced with our own mortality, because when someone close to us dies, we are reminded that we will all die. And that shit is scary. It is unpleasant to think about. And most of all, it is surreal. Death is surreal. Death is very strange. And it is the only thing that we as humans cannot conquer. There's nothing that can change death. There's nothing we can do. There's no one we can call. It is the end. And I think that a part of grief is not only the trauma of losing someone you love or the hard work of accepting reality for what it is, but it is also to realize that life is frail and everything that we have built up can be taken away from us with a moment's notice. And that is what heartbreak is. When the person I loved was wilting away right in front of my eyes because of all the drugs she was taking, I remember being angry as hell, just like you. I was absolutely furious and I just wanted to shake her or yell at her or do anything that would wake her up, but nothing I did would stop her from taking drugs. And at that time, a close friend of mine told me something very helpful, which was, Cleo, you have to stop thinking about her as a human who has control over her own actions. And you have to start thinking about her as someone who is ill. Even if she would want to stop taking drugs, she can't because she is sick. She has an addiction. I found this to be particularly helpful because it made me see that addiction is an illness. In society, there's an extreme shame and blame onto people who are struggling with addiction and mental illness and or both. We would never shame a cancer patient for being sick. We would never tell them that they chose to be sick. So when someone is struggling, drugs or mental health, we have to treat them with the dignity and respect she would treat any other person. Because mental health is so stigmatized and because suicide is so stigmatized and in many countries still seen as a mortal sin, it is easy to think that we can fix it, that it is something we can cure, and I think that is also why it is so hard to accept why someone would take their own life, because we see it as a choice. But choice is the wrong word when it comes to suicide, because a person who takes their own life most likely does not see it as a choice, but they see it as the only option that is left for them. So when I finally let go of the anger, the anger that was stop taking drugs because not only are they killing you, but they are killing me and they're killing the future we were supposed to have together and found a place in my heart where I accepted the reality of the situation. I also found space for empathy. Even though I was devastated, I could, with time, turn my sorrow into love turn my anger into love, turn my crushed dreams into love. 
When we are at the end of the road, I fully believe with all of my being how hard it may be that the only way to survive and lead a happy life afterwards is to choose love. She got her own Heard she drive a beamer And she got it on her own Heard she was a dreamer But she's sleeping all alone I just wanna meet her Cause I just wanna know I heard she got her own Heard she got her own And I just wanna know But I heard she got her own experienced the loss of someone as an adult knows that death is not an invitation for grief or mourning, not in this society. When someone dies, the first thing you gotta deal with is money. What's that person's bank or credit card tied to? Anything from phone bills to phone plan to freaking Netflix account. Sometimes when you cancel a contract that's still running, some companies have the audacity to ask for a death certificate before they will cancel that contract. Absolute disrespect. When you're alive, 
you have to always prove that you are you. And when you're dead, someone else has to prove that you're actually dead. There's no integrity or respect for the process of grief and mourning. A life under capitalism does not promote emotional awareness, nor does it give you the time you need to heal. Way back when, and also not so long ago actually, people in mourning would wear black as a symbol of, hi, I am in mourning, please be gentle with me. This meant that everyone around them would know she's in mourning, and by knowing that, giving you the time and space that you would need. Now, there's no way in hell of knowing what anyone is experiencing or going through because there's no space or symbol for actual healing and mending of the heart. I want you to listen to me very carefully when I tell you this. Healing is never-ending work. And healing is never linear. It takes a long time to work through the trauma, the crisis, the heartbreak, the anger, the sadness, the confusion, the feeling of defeat that is losing someone you love. That is no longer having the flesh and bone of the person that you love. It is a terribly traumatic experience and it does change you. It does leave a scar and that shit is real. That is why we need to always be patient with ourselves and we need to continue giving ourselves time. If you are angry, let that anger out. If you are sad, allow time and space for that sadness. I believe that when someone leaves Earth and leaves our life, their spirit is still with us. That means that when you are doing well, when you are shining bright, when you are keeping on keeping on, your friend is there with you. She's cheering you on, she's smiling at you, and she's sending you love. And same thing goes for when you are not doing so well, when you are sad, when you are tired, when you are frustrated, you better believe she's there with you. She's sending you strength and she's sending you love. If we can keep someone we love in our heart, they are always with us. I know this may sound cheesy or like it's not true or ducked up even. I find this is a way of turning a moment of despair into a moment of hope. For example, I have certain smells, certain foods, and certain colors I associate with people who are no longer here with me. So every time I encounter that smell, that food, that color, instead of feeling defeated because that person is not here with me or those people are no longer here in life, I cherish the memory of them. And I think to myself, this person would have loved this color. This person always cooked food like this, etc., etc. This way, you can rewire your pain into something beautiful and into something that is yours only. It is within you, and it is a way of healing rather than hurting. There is a poem by W.S. Mervyn. He was an American poet who died this year, actually. And he wrote a poem called Separation, and it goes like this. Your absence has gone through me like thread through a needle. Everything I do is stitched with its color. I find this to be very true. In the beginning of grief and mourning, 
you are overwhelmed by this new reality that you have to make yourself accustomed to. I remember feeling like I had a filter that covered my whole body. I felt heavy with grief. It was as if I couldn't see things clearly. I couldn't taste things properly. I couldn't feel joy or happiness. I was so smudged and covered in the sadness and mourning that everything became stitched with its color. And as time passed by, and as I healed, this thick, heavy filter became lighter, and I started seeing things again. I started laughing again. I started doing things for pleasure again. If you can find your way back to life without feeling guilty, if you can try to feel deep in your heart that the person who has left their physical body still sends you love, still wants you to be happy, you can try to allow yourself to be happy again and to feel loved again. Don't give up. Keep staying soft and open. And if you can, try to always land on love. Rose Quartz Blessings, XOXO.
Up, haters, I hit him real deep in the jugular. Look at this sex on the 